Hello and welcome to the David Eagle Podcast. This week is a tribute to a most wonderful man, a friend and inspiration, both in the folk music world and the comedy world. It's Grant Bainham, and you're hearing his brilliant guitar playing in the background. Unfortunately, Grant passed away on the 29th of July. He had a heart attack. Only a couple of weeks earlier, he was playing what turned out to be his last gig at Bromsgrove Folk Festival. Grant Bainham became a household name when, in the 80s, he was on Esther Ranson's That's Life on BBC One. Comic song touched with gold. That's how Ned Sherrin from the BBC described Grant's songs. So funny, so warm-hearted, very personable. I think immediately you would take a liking to him. And that's why I wanted to dedicate this episode of the David Eagle podcast to Grant and play a couple of chats that we had with him at our singing weekends that we run. My band, The Young'uns, we run residential weekends where people come to a hostel with us. And the guest that we had the most at our singing weekends was Grant. Four times, I think he did it, both by himself and with his duo Quicksilver with Hilary Spencer from the wonderful and accompanied group Artisan. And we just kept getting him back time and time again because people loved him so much. So one of these chats made it onto The Young'uns podcast. That was the one with him and Hillary as Quicksilver in 2017, but I recorded another chat with him at our singing weekend in 2018. For whatever reason, probably because I was busy doing stand-up, that never got released. So I'm going to amalgamate the two, and we're going to spend 40 minutes in the company of a wonderful man, a wonderful wordsmith. We're going to hear songs and stories, and also Herbal Tea of the Week. Grant Bainham took part in Herbal Tea of the Week, so it's perfect for the David Eagle podcast. Right on brand. So the voices you're going to hear are mine. Hey, don't worry about that. Still playing the M.A. Grant Bainham, of course, Hilary Spencer, his partner in the band Quicksilver, and you'll hear from the other two young'uns, Sean and Michael. So right now, it's time to spend 40 minutes in the company of the wonderful Grant Bainham, who starts us off with a song which has one of the most fantastic rhymes right from the off. Here we go, Grant Bainham. District B31 in Birmingham And if you some strict prejudices about Brum I'll be confirming them <laughs> We all have us live in factories We've all got one tough lung We wallop our wives on Saturday nights We eat our ailing young, I'm telling you I come from a very tough part of the very rough art of Birmingham Leastways, that's what we always say But the fact is, it's very nice Oh, our own, our earthly paradise circus. These lies are our device to keep the southerners away. <laughs> we say don't come to Birmingham because brummies have placed bounties on the ears of the wine and twiglitiers who stray from the home county. Because what every true-born brummie would most dearly love to have is the gory skull of a southern Tory nailed to the door of his outside lantern. <laughs> Don't go to Brom or you'll come down with something nasty because we've all got rickets, gonorrhea and piles. <laughs> Stay safe in your stockbroker belts. Broke your stocks and save your belts by broking them in Wokingham and Chalfont St Giles. <laughs> Seems strange indeed, there isn't any stranger breed than southerners. They spuriously smart and curiously think they governors. They've all had it, done it, got one, doesn't matter what. 
As if we gave sh toss what they have had or done or got to nitzer Seem to see the way they're always tanned in winter And to prove it all their winning war ground with their tights on they think they're smart because they're rich But they all drive Swedish cars in which The twigs can't even find a switch To switch the freaking lights off <laughs> So don't come to Birmingham Stay south and bar the door We're banning the Daily Telegraph We're jamming Radio 4 Designer label jogging suits Will bear the heavy toll and no one in green ways will get through passport control of rugby. Don't come to Birmingham if you eat lunch for dinner. And don't think we're joking, cause we aren't. And we'll follow our own path. Where a path is a path, not a path, but a path. And the council gives you a bathroom grant, and my name's Grant, not Grant. Commission from the Birmingham Tourist Board. Thanks, <laughs> hey, so it was played on commercial radio for a long time, that one. Uh, I don't know if anybody recognises Grant from the television. <laughs> because uh, Mr. Grant Benham has been on Esther Ranson. Or has been on. <laughs> been on... Okay. I, don't oh, you... room, uh, I don't know whether you have or not seen it for the book, Grant. Uh, <laughs> you've been on Esther Ranson's That's Life. Oh, way back in the 1980s, from about 86 to 91. So what did it involve then? Apparently it involved something about you uh, having a bucket of water poured over you. Oh, that was, that was a kind of running gag. I tried to give up smoking on television. I don't recommend it to anybody. The idea was if anybody saw me smoking, they could um, pour a glass of water over me. And um, I went about six months. Ah. And then uh, somebody did catch me smoking, didn't pour a glass of water over me, but shopped me. So she decided to do the whole thing live on air with a bucket of water on a rope, of which I was unaware. <laughs> very funny television. Very, very, very <laughs> not bloody funny at all. <laughs> Seems a little bit lackluster. I'm going to give up smoking on the television. Yes. Yeah. So only when you're on the TV. You can smoke <laughs> on the television. <laughs> <laughs> I got sacked from my last proper job as a computer salesman, which I was terrible. And with the very small amount of redundancy money they gave me, I made a tape which I took to BBC Radio WM, Radio Birmingham, as was a long time ago. Radio Birmingham was Malk Stent, a good old brummy folk comedian, and uh, he used to run an excellent, best lunchtime radio show ever, in my humble opinion, called uh, Malcolm Stent in the Barmaid's Arms. They had an Atmos yeah. tape running of um, pub background. It sounded as if you were in a pub, basically, and Malk was lent up against the bar and Rosie Zoppo was the barmaid. And it was just conversation and they'd pretend they were firing up a jukebox or whatever it was. But anyway, I took the tape to this album into Malk and just for a bit of zhuzh, just for a bit of fun, it was an August bank holiday, so I wrote a little song called The August Bank Holiday Bus and the uh, producer said, ooh, that was all right, was that yours? I said, yeah, that was mine. He said, could you write us, say, one a week? And that was how it started. I got £14 a week for writing a funny song for... 
BBC Radio WM, the 206 team, as it was called on Friday, which was the live broadcast, always an OB, an outside broadcast from anywhere in Birmingham, from the Science Museum. I did these songs on the footplates of steam locomotives and on barges and the top decks of buses going round the outer circle. That was good fun, a great way to make a living and a good way to learn how to write a comic song, which is was it basically stuff. The pressure, though, of having to come up with something every week, was that hard? Pressure read discipline, I think. That's yeah. the idea. If you know that you're going live in... At, at one point, my proud boast was that I could knock one off in five hours from the phone call. What about the songs, though? <laughs> <laughs> it is true that there were some very attractive presenters on BBC Radio. <laughs> the Barmaid Times, literally. The Barmaid Times, literally. Rosie was a joy. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was the plan, that uh, I was a very fast songwriter. Mm. Now I'm a very slow songwriter. In those days, I'd dash them off in a moment, sing them and uh, tuck them in the bottom drawer and forget about them. And so, uh, yeah, it went from there. I got picked up by um, Pick of the Week on Radio 4, twice, thank you for asking. <laughs> from there to start the week with Richard Baker, as it then was on Radio 4 on a Monday morning, where I used to meet the most famous people in the world and ritually insult them over breakfast. So I sat down and had my hand on Raquel Welch's knee before telling the world what a she was. <laughs> was music always on the on the cards for you? Um, no, no, no not, not at all. We all, we all liked music in the family. Everybody sang and still does. My brothers are, are fine musicians, all of them. And we always sang in the car, which that seems to have gone by, doesn't it? People singing in the car these days. We're driving my son up from Portsmouth from his uh, university graduation the other week and um, there's the three of us in the car and I'm listening to Radio 3 or 4 on a proper radio, a proper car radio and the Mrs Moira is texting away with his headphones in there and Jake's listening to whatever he's listening to in the back and when we come to need a comfort stop instead of going, oh, we're going to stop here Moira texts because <laughs> <laughs> he can't hear anything that's going on he's got, he's got earphones the sizes of half melons around here like that. he don't know was there any designs on music there did you play when did you start playing the guitar this is brilliant because on Christmas day this year coming not many people can remember exactly when they first picked up a guitar but on Christmas day this year it will be exactly 50 years since I first touched the guitar there you go and he's been playing it for 33 years because <laughs> <laughs> Santa brought me one I didn't ask him either it just turned up when I first started playing I thought I was going to be the next Burt Jansch or at least I thought I might be able to play a bit like Burt Jansch or more particularly John Rimbaud that's what you told us when we booked you but uh... <laughs> <laughs> my brother has the voice that I should have been born with it's a classic lyric tenor right up there with the birdies. I can't get above an F sharp, even good days. But, but I think it would have changed your style, do you think? I you think, know, I think that's... Singing operatically. You, yes, one cuts one's coat according to the cloth, doesn't one? So, um, I don't have a great voice. I have a... It's loud. I have a very loud <laughs> voice. Accurate on good days. And my diction, darling, is absolutely perfect and precise and always has been. So, <laughs> so I, I have a voice ideally suited to comic song. So comic song, it was I saying, but um, I mean, but in those days, comic song was sort of part of the mainstream before the split of the radio in 67 or 68 to radios 1, 2, 3 and 4. If you were listening to the light programme, you might get the Beatles followed by Flans and Swan, you know yeah. what I mean? Or a Tom Lehrer thing and a piece of light orchestral music back to back. 
it wasn't differentiated in those days. So comic song was part of the mainstream. And so like a, a lot of people of my age here, I guess, you know, the family would have the Tom Lehrer albums, the Flanders and Swan albums, and then later the Jake Thackeray albums were huge Jake Thackeray fans in our family. Do you remember the first song you wrote then? The first comic the, song? The first, yeah, the, shall I? Why not? This is, this, this is a hook, it? it sort of started on the guitar as a... sort of ragtime pattern. Mm. It got itself a chorus, it got itself the most complicated chorus you can possibly imagine which goes like this. I don't want to be a collier or a man who drives the lorry or a tank like Uncle Laurie in the wall and a job as a welder like me Auntie Griselda strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor I wouldn't please Auntie Tessa by becoming a gent's hairdresser cause I know one and he wears a blouse and lisps as I should like to be the man that wraps up salt in little blue paper bags and drops one into every packet of drinks. The, the point was it became as much a routine as a song because, you know, if I, if I go, everybody, I don't want to be a god, you're up. And that noise, that kind of, I don't want to come. <laughs> The story to the song. I always try to write a bit of a story and try and have a bit of a twist at the end. The twist at the end of this one, I nicked off um, W Somerset Maugham. So it's, it's really... Like a crisps as well, didn't he? Uh, he, he was not long on crisps, but he was quite long on the, um, on the struggling nature of the working man. And so he wrote a short <laughs> story called The Curate, if you're a Somerset Maugham fan. Do you want me to do the song all through? Oh, why not? Since we all got the hang of the chorus, you might as well. When I was just a little lad, one day me did departed. Daddy took me up and sat me on his knee. And he said to me, Son! sell newspapers, my friend. <laughs> Say to me, son, won't you tell your dad and mum just exactly what it is that you would like to be? You know that in a bit you'll be old enough for pit, but the final choice is really up to you. I said, well, dad, don't mock, but it may come as a bit of a shock when I tell you what I really want to do. I don't want to be a collier or a man who drives a lorry or a tank like Uncle Laurie in the wall. A job as a welder like me, Auntie Griselda, strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor. I wouldn't please Auntie Tessa by becoming a gent's hairdresser, cause I know one, and he wears a blouse and lisps. These were different times, by the way. <laughs> But I should like to be the man that wraps up salt in little blue paper bags and drops one into every packet of crisps to a law. La 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 I told me plant is a very nice little pinstriped man who came from the employment ministry. Ministry. He said we'd like you to talk to our computer. It'll tell you what a burk you are electrologically. So we fed it all this data, and a millisecond later, it puked out all this paper on the floor. Which he studied for a while, <laughs> then I had to smile, because it's all the prat what I told him before, which was I don't want to be a collier, or a man who drives a lorry, or a tank like Uncle Lorry in the wall. A 
job as a welder, like the anti-Griselda, strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor. I wouldn't please Auntie Tessa by becoming a gents hairdresser, cause I know one, and he wears a brows and list, say without shame that I should like to be the man who wraps up salt in little blue paper bags, drops one into every packet of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> What will happen next? Because, I mean, as, as chorus audiences go, this is pretty pulp fly post <laughs> But all that will happen is that when it comes to the bit at the end that you think you've got the horse, to be the man that wraps up salt in little blue paper bags, drops one into it, and what will happen is that you will fall apart, and that the whole room will go, no, 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 salt it, salt it, little blue bag, and it drops on, and Chris! <laughs> Let's try the chorus again. <laughs> I don't want to be a lorry or a man who drives a lorry or a tank like Uncle Lorry in the war, in the war. A job as a welder like the anti Griselda strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor. Yes, I wouldn't please Anti Tessa by becoming a gents hairdresser because I know one and he wears a thousand wishes. But I should like to be the man. And that's how I got my stuff. And so I went to Smith's Crisps for a trial, and I was happy for a while until I had to fetch my salary. And I had to sign along the dotted line to pick up what me sweaty week of labour had earned me. Now I signed it with a cross. At which the packing boss, he looks at me and says, What's up, son? Can't write. When I told him it were true, he said, Hey, that'll never do. And he handed me me cards that very night. Oh. You said you're packing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a keeper, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't want to be a collier or a man who drives a lorry or a tank like Uncle Lorry in the war. A job as a welder like the anti Griselda strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor. I wouldn't please Auntie Tessa by becoming a gents dresser, because I know what Andy wears a blouse and loose. But I should like to be the man that wraps up some. <laughs> so then I went collecting rags and bones with my mum's brother Albert Jones, who ran this little business down in Kent, down in Kent. And being 93, he retired, leaving me in sole control of this vast enterprise's management. One day while on the round, I was distracted by the sound of a little old lady shouting after me. After, after me! me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Luke, son, here's a vase that was once owned by the Tsars, which you can have for 27p. So I bought this strange creation, took it round for valuation to a dealer who said, well, I never did. This ugly thing's third dynasty ming. If it's worth a penny, it's worth all of half a million quid. He paid for it in cash. So with his cheque, I made a dash round to the bank at twice the speed of light. And when I endorsed it with me mark, an astonished looking clerk said, Struth, mate, what would you be if you could write? And I said, <laughs> I wouldn't be 
trolley or a man who drives a lorry or a tank like Uncle Dory in the war. Job as a welder, a job as a welder, like the anti-Griselda. Strikes me as a very sweaty way of staying poor. I wouldn't please Auntie Tessa by becoming a Jensen dresser. Because I know one anyway, it's a thousand lives. No, I'd be the literate man who wraps up salt in little blue paper bags, drops one into every packet of crispy claws. of the week. What I thought we would do, Grant and Hillary, is I'll send you a little bit of a challenge here. We have the Herbal Tea of the Week jingle, so I will sing a line to you, and you can accompany me with uh, voice and uh, guitar, and uh, we'll see how it goes. <coughs> Some folks like plain tea, others like tea herbally. Some folks like herbal tea, others like tea herbally. But this is the feature that reviews Herbal Tea Verbally. I don't know how you did it, but you guessed that Herbal Tea of the Week would be the last bit of the song. It's just, <laughs> that's experience for you there. There you go. So, today's Herbal Tea today's of the Week, herbal David, tea. is from Jekka's Herbs and the Canton Tea Company. Yes. Organic Herbal British Foragers Blend. Well, I'm glad it's British Foragers. Why I can't stand is uh, these Polish Foragers, these migrant foragers thinking they can do an achievement in <laughs> British Foragers is what we want. And let's be honest, the British Foragers are the best. They know how to forage, don't they? <laughs> Sometimes you've got to be careful where they're foraging. I mean, the best forager is Nigel Forage. <laughs> so what is British Foragers? We've been patriotic about this tea here today, Grant. To read up. Ah, yes. The uh, top herb expert, Jekka McVicker. Oh, oh him. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've yeah. never really... Uh, we love Jekka. Well, I've never really thought about his stuff, to be honest. Yeah. I've never really... Uh, <laughs> created this delicious organic blend of the flowers, leaves, nettles and rose hips that grow wild in English hedgerows. Excellent. Oh. So it's just a cheap way of basically uh, making tea, isn't it? Just grab a few nettles, yeah, stick those sweepings. in there. Sweepings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've got some tasting notes, David. Perhaps the guests could uh, say what they think and I can match it up to what the tasting notes suggest. <laughs> the tasting notes? Yeah, yeah. Describing right. the, like, the flavours and the... Uh, oh, that's good. So we won't yeah. say it yet. We won't say it yet, but yes, we'll find out that's if what you say compares with the tasting notes. Oh, no pressure. Are you on the same wavelength as Jekus McVicker? I mean, have you ever pondered that question before? Uh, Not until now. <laughs> Okay. Would, you, would you like them to smell the? Uh, the well, what we first? do is we uh, well we're going to pour it now. Pour it, yeah, yeah. And what we're going to do is it says on the jingle, so you Lovely won't need. Lovely sieve there, Mister. <laughs> 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 as it can find a strainer. That's a proper strainer, that one. <laughs> 
Now, as you know, you don't need any telling because you heard the, it was all summarised excellently in the jingle. You give it a smell, you give it a drink, and then you will tell us what you think. Um, but first, we need to smell before drinking the tea. Give the tea. I don't really want to smell this tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You picked this one on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> so if you give it a smell, then we'll have a little chat about that, and then we'll rate the smell out of tea. So do you want to pour in the tea now? So it's excellent for a podcast, the audio actuality, the sound effects here. Is this as good as the, uh, the show in West Midlands that you were talking about in the 70s? I mean, now, I think this is the second favourite show, though. This is a uh, leading edge broadcasting. Mm. Mr. Ramson had nothing on this. But talking of which, have you got the bucket of water ready for later? <laughs> oh, dear, some, uh, some forage has slipped through the sieve. Oh. For a podcast. <laughs> I'd like to say it's the first time I've heard him say that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind and only done you a little bit. Okay, so give it a smell, Grant Benham and Hillary's when's that? Oh there it is. It's oh, it's very definitely English, very definitely rural. I'm definitely getting leaf mould here. <laughs> How long has this been in your bag for? <laughs> I'm not sure, having gathered the leaves, they didn't actually destroy oh, yeah. the essence of dog in which they clearly made. <laughs> <laughs> so we get some of hay and straw and buy a house floor. <laughs> 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 It's like sweat, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I haven't got the smelling notes, so I've got the tasting notes. Well, we're giving it on smell beforehand. What do we, uh, how would you rate them on smell? Um, right? Out of ten, a number, so we're going for a low uh, number. Oh, here, we're going for we? two and a half on oh, smell. Two and a half? Yeah, 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 two and a half is pushing it, I think, rather. This is, um, <laughs> this Actually, is... taste is, it's a bit like. Oh, oh, I find Getting ahead of the game here with taste, I think. We're doing smell. You're right. Look, you, going look, you can smell it. It smells exactly the same every time you stick your you, nose in it. <laughs> are you giving it a one, did you say that? No, I'm being generous and giving it a two and a half. But don't number. push me, boy. Don't push me. Are you giving it a one, do you say, Grant? Yes. No, I'm going to give it a three. It's a bit odd, isn't it? What about you, Mr Hughes? Can you smell anything there? One. What about you, Mr Gurney? How would you... Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially a four. Okay. Four out of what? Fifty. Four out of fifty. There. It's time to taste. Yes. Well, I've done that. I don't. I don't have to do it again, do I? Anybody <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there you go. it's quite refreshing, I think. <laughs> okay. So let me uh, see if I can detect anything. We'll see what we can. Uh, what, what are you getting, Grant? Wax. Please <laughs> <laughs> mm. wax. Um, I'll tell you what there is. Uh, there's, there's a really nice tea that I have if I've got a funny throat, and that's got licorice and slippery elm. Oh, and it's yes. almost, because of the licorice, it's almost aniseedy. It's really, really nice. It's very soothing. There's, it feels like a hint of something similar to the slippery elm in here. Mm. Otherwise, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it, but it's, it does taste... I think it's difficult to find distinguishing tastes, personally. So what should we be... Uh... Well, I don't think Mr Coon has infused it for long enough. Ah, oh, is this false? Oh. It'll be lovely otherwise. <laughs> Basically, what we're smelling is a dirty cup that hasn't been washed properly. <laughs> we're not. Jekus McVicker's going to be living about this. <laughs> I mean, listen. It's said uh, three to five minutes. What should we be tasting then? Looking mm. for great floral notes of hawthorn and rose are balanced by smooth leafy nettle and strawberry undertones. I'm getting the strawberry undertones, actually. 
I think. Yeah, they're very good. Well, it's the undertones. And the strobes. Yeah, exactly. Strobes and undertones is a combination of the strobes and the undertones together. So the question is, what are we giving it in terms of taste then, Grant? Same for the taste. One. My goodness. Yeah, I'm being a little kinder because the taste was preferable to the smell, whereas it was almost tasteless. But I would give it two and a half for blandness and harmlessness. There is an aggressive blandness there, isn't there? <laughs> we do applaud. Well, I'm going to give it a four. Sharon, sure, do you want to mark it on my behalf? I've had better, so three. Okay, yeah. ten and a half, and Mr. Cooney finally. Yeah, uh, oh, I'll go five. So it gets 15 and a half for taste, and it gets a four for smell, giving it a grand total of 19 and a half. I think that is probably the. Check the price on Amazon as well. I'm going to price it a bit. No. Just out of interest, because I'm not everyone's wondering, how much is it on Amazon? For a tin that size, it's £7.50. Ah! You see? No, the provider's available. Oh, but it's got to be Jenkins, hasn't it? It's got to be Jenkins Mavica. If you're going to do it, it's got to be Jenkins Mavica. Oh, not, oh is it Jenkins Mavica, not Jenkins? Oh, I'll take it back. It's, no, it's rubbish. Hang on, Dave. You're, you're paying the money for the tin because you can keep other things in it when you've chucked the tea out. But it'll all smell of that leaf mould, though, whatever it is, won't it? I know. It's more, it's more than Hillary and Grant again paid for this. That's true! <laughs> we'll have a little, another song, but I think we should um, quickly sort of finish off your story, Grant. So how did you get from the radio to the TV? Oh, it's just bad luck, really. The, uh, <laughs> there was a kind of hierarchy in those days. Uh, many will remember a lunchtime BBC programme called Pebble Mill at One, which was a, which was a, a magazine programme in the old-fashioned way, which had live music every day. Fashions change, don't they? It looked very much like the One show does now, but you, you wouldn't do live music on the One show as an insert. You might, if somebody was pushing an album, you'd do a play-out of you know a band out on the whatever it was. But it was integral to magazine programmes in these days. As I, as I said, start the week, Radio 4 used to have a light relief thing every week and sometimes it was me and sometimes it was uh, Ruby Wax and sometimes it was the, the idea of doing a, a magazine programme without comedy and without music was unheard of. You remember tonight in the 1960s when they had the Cy Grant and Robin Hall and Jimmy McGregor and Lance Percival and all that. It's a very serious news programme, a hard news item, but they always had music. Well, it's like this, isn't it? We're doing a serious item on herbal tea and then we have a bit of light relief <laughs> Music, the kind of contrast. Exactly. So, so yeah, that was the that was the way in. Really, there was a way in in those days. Sweet spot that hard work to call the blue lagoon. Cafe. 
Shakes that fanny like a crab on me. Slaps that big all round the place at the Blue Lagoon Cafe, where the frying dishes play. When the dawn comes up, you'll wonder how you grew the night away. Where all the dance floor's hot and cozy, cheek to cheek in every way. Just dive right in, dive back in with whatever. Don't you don't your way? Let's back up down through Chinatown to the ball. Cause it holds you in that sweet spot that. What's that honky tonk with a French accent? Ooh la la! They call the blue lagoon. Cafe. See you soon. Get the magic out of it. Really, one of the songs he knocked out in five minutes because yeah. it is quite formulaic. That one, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. <laughs> How on earth did you come up with something like that, Grace? Guitar, the guitar wrote it. I play, I play guitar in a mad way, always with a drop G bass. Instead of going like that, it always goes like this. And that's because I can't do a this doesn't work on radio, but I can't do a proper bar <laughs> with me left hand, but I can do two. Three finger bars for the for the radio. I'm playing that with two, with two fingers, both with flattened pads on them. It's okay for the listeners. There will be supplementary diagrams yes. uh, <laughs> on the website. Uh, but the crack is that leaves me with two fingers waggling around doing nothing, and um, also means that you can play the third in the bass of a seven chord with your thumb. This is great radio, isn't it? But, <laughs> but what, uh, that started off as a little instrumental just to demonstrate that quirk of. I just put a tune over that. And 
then, like I always do when I finish an instrumental, I stupidly thought to myself, that might make a good song. <laughs> I, I, I remember precisely the circumstances because we were staying up with Dave Goulder and I set to, I set to, in the far north of Scotland, that's Ooh. right. And uh, yes, the reason why this turned into a song is lost in the mists of Glen Fittick, I think it was. <laughs> 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 Not so much a fever dream as a whiskey dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just growed like topsy. Before we uh, conclude, we should uh, probably hear about some. One thing we like to talk about is sort of gig memory. Maybe the most, one of the most surreal, or even the most horrible gig. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a horrible story. All right, this is a horrible story. Right, it's a horrible story, but it ends happy. Okay, and this is recent. We were playing a gig, staying with the organisers of this gig. <laughs> I just remembered the story. <laughs> I have bad knees. I have to take loads of drugs for them, including laxatives, okay? And I was just changed the regime and wondered if I got, got on top of these laxatives. And as I was saying, we were staying with the organisers of this club in a beautiful, beautiful Cornish house. A showpiece, really. I mean, beautiful. And then when we went up to the rooms, the rooms were all laid out with the, um, the towels wrapped with a little satin ribbon and, you know, individual soaps on the... And really, really, really... Really perfect. So I climbed into bed, slept the sleep of the, slept the sleep of the old man actually, which means that I'm up about twice a night for the usual reasons that I'll make it all the rest of it. I woke about four in the morning, went oh right there we go, trot across the corridor, enter into, into the loo, do the little bit of business there. Went, oh, oh, nearly missed that one. Never mind. <laughs> Back to the bed, lifted up the duvet on the bed, and the whole bed was brown, <laughs> streaked brown. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't wasn't just a little pardon me, it wasn't just a little fart and follow through. <laughs> <laughs> This was this was street up the up the walls. It was <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you would not believe the damage that a complimentary after eight mints can do. <laughs> if you sleep on it and roll in it hard enough, you go come on over here. Oh, Thank goodness, because I was I was hoping uh, I was I was always, I was uh, worrying that because you'd said it, I first I thought you would meant you'd had that because you'd had an after eight mint rather than being after eight mints. And I was thinking. We've just given you herbal tea, goodness, all the way. No, the worst, the worst part was when he was telling me in the morning, and, and to, he got to the point where he said, I, I, I had to sniff it. Oh, <laughs> well, at least you didn't decide to taste it, I mean. And it was no, chocolate! <laughs> you gave it a smell, you gave it a drink. <laughs> Well, there we go. I'm sure Grant would be very happy with his legacy, with that story. I'm sure we think that's exactly how I wanted to be remembered, David. Thank you. <laughs> we will play out with one final song. It's a chorus of a song that he sings at the end of our last meeting in 2018. Probably the last time I saw Grant, actually. So we'll end with that. The Young'uns podcast with Quicksilver is available to listen to in its entirety. There are other bits that didn't make it onto this podcast because we were chatting more to Hillary, and I thought we'll centre it primarily around Grant. So there is more that you can hear of Grant and Hillary playing and talking on the Young'uns podcast with Quicksilver. I mean, what a word, Smith. Rhyming Birmingham with Confirmingham. Absolutely brilliant. You do that, you take the rest of the month off, I think. So I'll leave you for the final time with Grant Burnham, who will have the last words. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Over to you, Mr Grant Burnham. But this is an old wartime weepy and a good parting song.
every lovely summer's day In everything that's light and gay I've often thought of you that way I'll see you in the morning sun And when the night is new I may be looking at the moon But I'll be seeing